Well, hello and welcome back to the Peed Space. I'm Deval Lanier with Palette Life Sciences. Before we get started, we're excited to announce that the Peed Space has reached 1,000 downloads. We're super excited about this, but first of all, we want to say thank you to all our listeners for helping us reach this milestone. Palette Life Sciences is the sponsor of this podcast, and we're committed to bringing educational tools such as the Peed Space to you. Inside of the Peed Space, our topics are wide in variety, which they include pediatric urology, practice management, VUR topics, and even today's content. Today's episode is solely the opinion of Dr. Abdelbar, who we'll refer to as AR. In this episode, AR shares his experience of starting a new pediatric urology practice, including the challenges that he's faced and the resources that have helped him. Now, here's Dr. AR. AR, it's great to have you. We'll jump right into it. Tell us why you chose pediatric urology. Well, thank you, Deval. It's a pleasure for you to host me on here and get a chance to share some of my story and uh, hopefully tips for um, other young pediatric urologists. So I was very fortunate to encounter pediatric urology somewhat fortuitously in third-year medical school, and luckily it was early enough in the year for me to still be able to consider that. I went into med school with a pretty open mind and not really knowing what I wanted to do, and our electives and our rotations were done on a lottery basis, and I lucked into doing a pediatric urology rotation actually the first two weeks of third year with Dr. Casey Furlitt, rest his soul. He was at St. Louis University, which is a little bit of a small school, so we didn't have the most extensive elective experiences in-house, but that was an amazing experience with a very formidable, world-renowned pediatric urologist. So I did that two weeks into third year and then was so blown away. And I was like, how have I never heard of pediatric urology before? This is definitely what I want to do. So then I found out more about it. I would just show up to his cases when I was outside of that rotation throughout the year and make my interest in it very clear and found out I had to do an adult urology uh, also, which would have been an elective during my surgical rotation. So I set that up and I was like, well, I like adult urology enough to go into it and then try to get into the Peds Fellowship. I encountered pediatric urology before adult urology, and I kind of knew that's what I wanted to do. Tell me about your current practice. You and I met some months ago. We just got deflux into your hospital, and we, we had some great conversations around starting a pediatric practice and some of the challenges that you face coming out of fellowship. Let's talk about those a little bit. Yeah, so I'm at the Galasano Children's Hospital of Southwest Florida, which is a pretty remarkable achievement in that we're in the little somewhat dusty or beach town of uh, Fort Myers, Florida, but we service a big um, catchment area. Um, and it's really a, a safety net hospital. Lee Health is, you know, started and owned by Lee County, which is the county that we're in. And we take care of many surrounding counties that are, are underserved. And so the fact that we have a standalone children's hospital that's not necessarily in a big city is, is a pretty remarkable thing. And this is this is my second job out of fellowship. And it's uh, very different really than any of the practice models I encountered in medical school or residency or, or fellowship even, where you might be generally in an academic setting, generally in a big city. You know, I was, was fortunate enough to do fellowship in one of the few programs in the country down in Miami, where the actual group that runs a fellowship is technically a private 
practice group. So you do encounter that private practice model. And so I've seen, I think, a, um, a lot of different models from the academic model in medical school and semi-academic model in residency when I was at Henry Ford Hospital, and then a private practice model of practice in Miami where I did fellowship. And this is very much a community hospital setting that I that I work at right now. So a little bit different than all of those, but I think that it's very important to know that coming out of training, you have a whole, you know, the world's your oyster and there's so many different types of opportunities out there. It's all not just the same thing in different places. You know, you've mentioned that you're coming out of fellowship here and, and there are a lot of things to consider when choosing a location and, and certainly choosing a job. You know, you and I talked a little bit about tailoring your practice and we talked about how to get started. And really the purpose of this podcast is to reach out to some of those physicians that are in the same place you were a few years ago. What advice would you give them and what obstacles have you overcome and, and what would you say? I think to put it in a nutshell, I would let young physicians coming out of training in any specialty, even in its very niche, and it feels like we pigeonhole ourselves into a very small corner of medical practice, because it does feel like that sometimes, to be honest. But really, the world is your oyster. And there are many, many, many different types of opportunities. And you may not necessarily know right off the bat what's the best fit for you. I mean, like I said, I went into medical school with a very open mind, not necessarily committed to a, a particular specialty or a particular practice model. And so it was very useful to see different practice models in, in school and training. And even in a pretty specialized niche surgical subspecialty like pediatric urology, there are a wide variety of practice models out there from community hospital-based, you know, private practice-based models, multi-specialty groups. You can join an adult urology group in an academic setting or a non-academic setting. And there's so many different things. Now, obviously, there are very practical considerations as to geography, where do you want to end up? Generally, if you're going to do a surgical subspecialty, then most of us have moved around quite a bit from medical school to residency according to the match. We don't always necessarily match where we want to go geographically. So that's going to be a huge consideration. Are we trying to get back to a place that we consider home? Are we trying to get to a particular size of city or a or staying away from the big city is also an option. And that's going to be a huge you know, determining thing. And then I think within the, the conference, of the geography that you're looking to settle in. I think even then, there are so many options as to whether you're going to apply to the academic centers, are you going to, you know, join a private practice group or a multi-specialty group, or even hang your own shingle. You know, in my case, I chose a hospital-employed position, but it's in a community hospital setting, which I think makes for a great work-life balance because we're not in a huge bustling city, so I don't have to worry about commuting or traffic or living in a small you know, condo in the middle of a city, or, and I can get to the beach within a few minutes after work. So I think, think that there's definitely the perfect job for you out there. And you don't necessarily need to know what that is coming out. And you probably don't. I mean, I think the statistics bear out that most physicians leave their first job within, you know, somewhere between three to five years on average. So and that's probably because they don't really necessarily know what they're looking for right off the bat. And that's okay. And it's okay to realize that you're not a good fit somewhere and a better fit somewhere else. Hey, Ar, you know, you live in a, a beautiful part of the country, a beautiful part of Florida, and the facility is just fantastic. I, I was just wondering, and not to catch you off guard, but what surprised you most in your first position or coming right out of fellowship? I know you're a doctor, you're a single doctor, and I'm sure that has its own challenges. But talk about, to the benefit of others, what was the biggest surprise? I think that the biggest surprise is that generally 
we are so focused on becoming so good at what we do and the technicalities of it. And then we forget that sometimes the human element. And I think with any job, no matter how specialized you are, what's going to determine your happiness really is the personality fit. You know, I, I think that all, you know, you know, I read sometimes a Harvard Business Review. And, you know, I think a lot of research bears out that your interactions with your with your managers, with your coworkers, with your staff, those are really what are going to determine your happiness at the end of the day. So, you know, we focus a lot in our training on be becoming the best we can be and the technical aspects of that. And we don't realize that when we don't have a choice, you know, we we, we do have some choice in, in our training and residency and fellowship, trying our best to avoid, quote unquote, malignant programs, you know. But at the end of the day, once we start there and we're determined to make it through, we're not going to be bothered by difficult staff, difficult personalities. But once it becomes a choice as to where we actually get to spend the rest of our lives, then suddenly difficult personalities aren't given anymore. You know, we really want to find somebody with the same idea about work-life balance, about the importance of family to us and so on, so that we really mesh and, and get along. You know, you're not necessarily going to become best friends with your partners or with your staff, but there definitely should be an ability to see eye to eye on, on personalities and, and how we approach the workspace. Thank you for that answer. You know, I think as a patient, we think that physician life perhaps is different than our own, but you're balancing family, you're balancing job, hospital staff, you're trying to build a business as well. How do you determine your priorities, especially over the first few years? I think we all, for the most part, have families or children outside of work. A lot of us do, and we all value that. And I think there, there may be a few exceptions to that, and you may want to be wary of joining a group or, or you know, becoming partners with a group that doesn't necessarily share that same importance to family. And so if, if when you meet a potential group join and they're not asking you about in a, in a curious way and not not in a judgmental way, but in a curious way about your family life and what you value and what you're most proud of in your kids, then you know that, that should probably raise a red flag. And if they're looking down on things like maternity leave or paternity leave or the times we need to take care of ourselves and our families, and they're, they're saying seeing that in a negative light, as opposed to seeing that as a positive thing, as an energized thing as a motivating factor in our lives. And again, that could be like a red flag. Now, our own priorities, obviously, not once we're in that space where we all agree that the importance of family, the importance of care, taking care of ourselves in, I think, your first five years of post-fellowship practice professionally, I think we really tend to focus and need to focus on really refining our skills. And we should really have the humility of seeing ourselves not as a finished product coming out of fellowship. We may be a finished product, but we're a product of our training model, right? And there's definitely different models out there. So even if you're coming from the largest fellowship program with many different tendings and styles, you may have learned five, 10 styles of doing one particular clinical problem, approaching one particular clinical problem, but there's probably more. So you should really not see yourself as a finished product and then working on refining what are going to be your style? How are you going to manage various conditions that we manage? How are you going to become better at what you do and refine and more efficient and have better outcome and continue your education, you know, your, throughout your career. So thank for that answer, AR. I mean, I think it goes back to your original answer early on in, in this interview, in this podcast, is that you're looking for the right fit and you're looking for the right human connections. You know, we're using this as a way to connect with young fellows who are just coming out of fellowship. And so I have a couple more questions for you. One's going to be, what advice would you give them as you said today? And secondly, what support have you received along the way that's 
made the difference and what support should they seek out that'll help them get started? Yeah, absolutely, Duval. I think the human connection is why we all went into medicine and it's really what attracted us to fields like pediatric urology and the ability to help kids and improve their quality of life and connect with families and parents. And so that human connection is what drives us all. Uh, and so we shouldn't really neglect that. And really, uh, you know, the advice I would give is really establish that human connection. And that's something that you're establishing throughout your training. You're really making yourself a network because all your co-residents and senior residents and junior residents are all going to go across the country and fan out. And that's kind of, that's part of your network. You know, the attendings at your home institution will be part of your network. And some of them may, may move on to other places and they'll be part of your network across the country. Um, your attendings and fellowship, the same thing. Do you need junior fellows or senior fellows? Form a, this network and the people we meet in conferences and, con and conventions and meetings, part of your network. I really valued that human connection and, and not in a, uh, I'm out there networking and schmoozing necessarily kind of way, but by just connecting with people in our field, the side effect of that is that you're going to have a network of people you can call on. And that's really important because each of those people is going to have a different skill set. And, you know, often, very often I call my attendings from, from fellowship with clinical questions. And because of our geographic proximity, I, some things that are, you know, outside of my scope of practice currently and my ability to handle at the hospital, I end up sending to them because they're close enough to do that. And that, so again, that's part of the network that's going to affect your patient care and help your patients get the best care that they deserve, either by getting opinions from outside sources like your mentors and fellowship or actually sending the patients to them. But also, I may call somebody across the country with a completely different skill set and ask them a clinical question that I know that they have an express interest in. So I think that human connection and, and making your quote unquote network is, is invaluable. Again, thank you, AR. Thank you for this opportunity today. I have one final question for you, but thank you for participating. I think this is going to be beneficial to so many new fellows and the physicians who are starting their practice. As an organization, Palette Life Science is focused on two things, the pediatric urologist and the pediatric urologist patient. Any recommendation on things that we can add or that opportunities we may have missed as we move forward in our relationship? I mean, I know from my personal interactions with you, Duvall, how seamless you made the transition for me to start doing deflux at our hospital. So to go from a procedure that had never been done before at my hospital to getting it approved through legal as a approved procedure, getting all the billing information they need, et cetera, et cetera. So I think you guys have made a, an amazing job in making it seamless on my end. So uh, kudos to you for that. And I think that that to the audience of this, I think that that's a very important lesson is that there are people to do things there that can support you in amazing ways. And in, in our modern practice of medicine, where everything is super specialized and we have specialized technologies, we have specialized medicines, etc. Really, there are specialists that help us with either of those things. And as pediatric urologists, we're kind of known to be a bit of jack of all trades. We have, we do open surgery, we do minimally invasive surgery, we do endoscopic procedures. We spend a lot of time in clinic. We spend a lot of time in the OR, we do office procedures, etc. So we learn to play with a lot of different toys and we become very proficient at that, but we're not necessarily proficient at how to get this procedure approved at our hospital. And there's people like you who can make that seamless. And so you really are doing yourself a disservice if you try to do all that stuff or take it all 
yourself. There are resources to help you. And so often we have to collaborate and it's in our, it really helps us to collaborate with industry that such as, you know, such as Palette Life Sciences that helps bring these technologies to our patients, you know, and as a pediatric urologist, you're going to work with industry and, and with things like deflux, with things like robotic surgery, with things like catheter supply, etc. So you really use those resources that are out there and that are trying to help you integrate seamless care for your patients. AR, on behalf of Highlight Life Sciences, thank you for participating today. It's been super insightful. I really uh, I hope that we can continue this conversation. And thank you once again. Thank you, Devon. It's been it's definitely been a pleasure. And I really have enjoyed a lot of the episodes, and I'm looking forward to all the various episodes you have coming out. Well, thank you for joining us this week on the PED Space. Please share this episode to your colleagues. We'll be delivering more pediatric urology-focused content in the coming weeks. But for more educational content and the uh, upcoming webinar schedule, please visit Deflux Learning Center on deflux.com. That's deflux.com. Additionally, you can learn more about our company and our products at palletlifesciences.com. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.